Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with a decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUclinics.com to schedule an appointment. back on the Burns and Gambo Show. Timmering John Gambadoro talking NHL Coyotes hockey uh, with the GM Bill Armstrong. Gambo's having some technical difficulties over in his radio cubicle right now. Gambo, you okay? All right, while Gambo tries to get that figured out, let's welcome in the GM of the Arizona Coyotes, Bill Armstrong. Bill, it's Tim Rain. Gambo's getting himself squared away. Uh, thanks for joining with, uh, joining us today, uh, my friend. Hey, listen, uh, I know the last couple games didn't go the way you wanted to, but I know going out there out east uh, and getting those three wins against the Capitals and the Sabres and the Islanders was a great way yeah. to, to start that eastern portion of the long road trip. Yeah, it was, it was a great way to start it. We came out firing and... Uh, you know the games against the you know New Jersey and then the the, the the Rangers were were good games. We fell a little bit short, but uh, two really good teams and we played them hard. So um, really good start to the road trip. We're going to have a good test against Vegas tonight, and uh, and our team's excited to play them. Yeah, but, but what a good team Vegas is, right? I mean, thirteen and two, nine game winning streak. They have lost their last two to San Jose and St. Louis, but they are off to a great start this year. And a former player, you get them up against. Uh, Phil Kessel tonight. Till the thrill, yeah. It'll be a big game. He's getting honored tonight. They had a big ceremony, so uh, only appropriate that he's playing us. And I know our guys will uh, they'll be playing him hard and making sure he doesn't get any points to celebrate. <laughs> but uh, Phil's a good man. He's a, uh, certainly a character, and he was pretty good for us when he was here. And, uh, you know, I don't know if he remembers us, but we, we did fly him home one time to keep the streak alive. But uh, right, um, no, he was uh, he was uh, he was he was a good part of our team, and uh, uh, certainly uh, just a, a great a great teammate, and a yeah. great player. And good to see him on a team that has a real chance, you know, to win and, and be a cup contender. Let, let's Bill, let's talk about your rookies. Matthias Michelli leads all NHL rookies with ten points. He's got nine assists. Yeah, this was a fourth round pick in 2019, and you've got Gunther, who's tenth among all rookies with seven points. Look, I know you're building for the future, and you've got a a lot in the pipeline right now, but how great is it to see some contributions from some of your young guys at this point? It's been great. I mean, they've 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 been you know kind of been like a spark for our team. Say when the young guys come in and play well, and especially they they've been operating on the second unit power play, um, and they've been you know driving that unit. Um, so it's been exciting to watch those guys play. You know, as rookies, they they have a good night, a bad night. You know, they're they're feeling out the league, and consistency is is hard for them. But they they they've both of, both the young kids gone through. Michelli have done a great job, and uh, they both they both certainly have high end skills. So. It slowly comes out. It's not there every night, but um, the two great kids that work at it, and uh, you know, you come watch us play, you're going to notice them, and it's it's and they're they're excited and they got a lot of enthusiasm. I say. Uh, this all the time about the young guys. They still believe Santa Claus exists, <laughs> and uh, they they get excited about coming to the rink. So it's been great to have them. Yeah, I'll tell you the worst thing. One of the worst things that ever happened to me is when uh, I think in like fourth or fifth grade when I actually found out there was no Santa Claus. Like, all right, I found out it's cool, but then like four months later, I like I remember going to school. I'm like, hey, the Easter Bunny's coming. Everyone's like, you know, you're really an idiot. All right, first of all, for all you're the, really an idiot for all the dads driving around with kids in the car. Gambo oh, didn't mean that. Yeah, I didn't mean that. Obviously. Yeah. 
Santa Claus. Well, of course he exists. exists. Everybody knows Santa Claus. Obvi- yeah. Come on. Man. Obviously. Yes. Hey, Bill, Bill, speaking of Christmas presents, you get Chickren and, uh, and Schmaltz back soon enough. With the young guys playing well and getting some of that ice time, it's going to be good to have two of your better players back soon, obviously. Well, we're we're excited about getting uh, Chick back on the backside. You know, he's got a cannon of a shot and led the NHL a couple of years ago in goals, and he can surely fire a puck. So he's going to really add. And you know, Schmoltzy, you know, he, he the one thing that Schmoltzy that he's a lead at is creating offense five on five, and that's been our downfall so far this year. Our power play has been rocking, but uh, uh, creating the offense five on five, we haven't been. Uh, uh, you know, consistent with it, and he's going to help us with that. And uh, he's going to jump on that first line when he comes back in with Boyd and Keller. And uh, you know, last year they were forced to be reckoned with, and uh, hopefully they can find the chemistry again and kick it back in and see if they can uh, push this team. We're all kind of waiting to see what's what's going to happen with uh, with Chikrin, and there's a lot of rumblings right now. Look, getting yeah. him back, there's a lot of teams that really just want to see him play before they decide to get involved in serious trade talks with you. So with that being known, how much time do you think it will take him to ramp up to where you may have some more meaningful conversations with other teams involving a trade? Well, everybody will probably give him a couple games to get his feet wet, and then they'll come start to see him. And uh, you know, we've we've uh, we've had conversation with teams, and we'll continue to. Um, obviously, the better he plays, um, the better those conversations go. Uh, you know, obviously he's had a little bit of a setback, but uh, today he was practicing again. And he's been 110, percent and that uh, that's was great to hear that he's back and he's ready to play. And uh, just uh, getting Chick back in the lineup will be great. And uh, you know, hopefully. Hopefully that he can he can he can really play well and and help uh, you know improve this club and make us a little bit better and we'll see at the end of the day where it goes and uh, you know we've got a high ask on our side and uh, we haven't changed from the get go on that one and he's a darn good player so uh, um, we we like him and obviously he's uh, he's asked to be moved and we're gonna you know uh, uh, you know kind of work with him to see if we can get that done and uh, we'll see how that one goes but uh, hopefully he can come back and. And be the type of player he was a couple of years ago. Listen, I've, I've said this many times. You're, you're masterful of what you've done, the trades you've made. I mean, you robbed Vancouver. I mean, absolutely robbed them with with, with what you gave up and getting Gunther back. Terrific trade. Um, you've built the assets. You've got the draft picks. But I'll ask you, if you do move him, if you get to the point where you move him, are you looking for more draft picks again? Or are you getting closer to the point where you may want some NHL-ready talent? I mean, I think our first priority would be to drive to, to grab draft picks. Um, I think we're we're only a few draft picks away to completing the rebuild, where it's 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 in the bank. You know, uh, there, there, there's so many draft picks uh, that we've acquired already. It gives us a really good opportunity to just kind of draft for the next three to four years. And if we could complete a trade and acquire some draft picks, it would, it would really help the rebuild. Um, and then we could just focus in on uh, putting the young guys in and helping them develop and trying to take that next step slowly. Uh, but uh, draft picks are, are, are primarily what we're looking for at this point. Let me ask you, let me just go back a little bit. The, the decision with, with Dylan to stay in the NHL, you know, after that ninth game, uh, rather than, you know, be returned to the juniors, he was playing well. He had had five points in five games going into that. Um, tell me about the decision to, to keep him up with the big league club. 
Yeah, it, you know, it wasn't that hard because I reflected upon when we did it with the St. Louis Blues and we kept David Perron. Um, I, I feel like, you know, our team needs the skilled player. Um, and that's what Dylan is. Uh, he can add into the top two lines um, and create offense. And I feel when he came in, he made that decision really easy with what he accomplished um, in the in the first ten games. And that was an easy decision for us. Uh, you know, obviously there's going to be nights uh, where he's swimming in a little bit as a rookie, um, but he has uh, shown great improvements since he's got here. He's got a tremendous uh, attitude and work ethic, and uh, he's excited about playing for the Yotes and uh, that was an easy decision for us um, I think probably because I've done it before with David Perron um, you know and I think for Dylan he's going to make the greatest gains playing with his team alright Bill always appreciate it best of luck tonight against Vegas and your former teammate your former uh, player Phil Castle. we'll talk to you next week thanks Gambo you got it. Take care. That's Bill Armstrong, the general manager of your Arizona Coyotes. NFL player predictions. What are the Cards' chances? We'll tell you what they are next, right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, Tim Ring filling in for Burnsy. We're going to take you right up till 6 o'clock tonight. You've got ASU basketball tonight. You've got the Yotes in action against Vegas. Bill Armstrong, I'm telling you, Bill Armstrong's doing a hell of a job. I mean, hey, they could not have picked a better general manager for, for the rebuild. Could not have picked a better GM. His ability to acquire assets and, 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 and the trades that he's made have been such steals. I mean, you got Dylan Gunther. For, for, for garbage. Like they really, he's done a very good job of, of acquiring assets, getting him set with draft picks, picking good players. I, I think the future is really bright for them. And even now, like they're not supposed to be winning these games right now. But Michelli's playing well and Gunther's playing well. And, you know, you lose a great goalie that goes on to win the Stanley Cup with Colorado and you replace him with a guy, Vamelkin. He's good. Like he's really good. Like he's done a, you know, He's almost like the Danny Ainge of the NHL. Like, well, they're winning games that they shouldn't, they don't want to win, but they are still playing good and winning. And just once, just once, and this would be the year, obviously. Could the Coyotes have some stinking luck in the lottery? Tank for Bedard. My gosh. Tank for Bedard. I mean, every single. Remember, remember the year McDavid and Eichel came out? Yeah. They picked third. They got Strom. They got Strom. They got Strom. They got Strom, and they, they and they would have had either Eichler or McDavid if, if they wanted. If they lost a game in Buffalo, Mike Smith made a ridiculous save <laughs> in the third quarter. It's like great save. Yeah, it just no! got us the third pick. <laughs> Dylan Strom, oh man! All right, NFL, CBS did a thing. It's pretty interesting. I want to talk about this. Get your feelings. 2022 NFL playoff picture. Projected final seeds plus playoff chances for all 32 teams heading into week 11. Here you go. I'm going to start with the NFC. Okay, and we'll probably stick with the NFC quite a bit. But here's what they have in the NFC. They've got the number one seed being the Eagles. Number two being the surprise Minnesota Vikings. Number three, Seattle, NFC West champions. Number four, Tampa Bay, the NFC South champion. Wild card number one, the G-Men, the Giants. Wild card number two, the Cowboys. So three teams right now in the NFC East. Wild card number three, the 49ers. Now it says the 49ers only have a half game lead over the Commanders for the final wild card spot. Like that, that was a, for the Cardinals, Washington beating Philly was terrible. It was terrible. For San Francisco, Washington winning that game was terrible. Keeps them in it. 
but it says it might as well be a 100-game lead with the way the computer is projecting the season to finish. According to Sportsline, the 49ers have an 81% chance of making the playoffs, which is way ahead of the Commanders at 17.6%. The computer is projecting that the 49ers will finish two games ahead of Washington in a race for the NFC's final spot that, uh, spot that won't actually be much of a race. Uh, here's the list and chances for all the other NFC teams. The Commanders at 17.6%. The Packers only at 11.9%. Falcons at 76 And then the Cardinals at 6.8%. Ahead of New Orleans and the Rams and the Panthers and the Lions and the Bears. So their projection right now is the Cardinals at 6.8%. Now, if the Cardinals win this game against the 49ers... That projection will change quite a bit because the 49ers will come down, the Cardinals will go up, and they'll probably move ahead of some of these other teams that may lose a game. So, you know, the Cardinals project, like, the the projections are fun. It really comes down to, like, they don't have a lot of margin forever. They've got to win most of their games right now. But, you know, like, you lose to the 49ers, the Cardinals are going to be down to, like, a 2% chance of making the playoffs. And you're 4-7, and and you're kind of right back in that spot where like okay the 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 uphill climb to even have a shot at this is is so steep uh and so difficult that it'll be bleak i mean let's be honest if the cardinals don't win on monday night making the playoffs is absolutely bleak the coffin doors uh, cover is shut i will say this gambo too the projections here have the Seahawks winning the division. That's all well and good because they're in first place now. By the time Week 11 wraps up on Monday night, the 49ers might be on top of that division. The Seahawks are off this week. They're 6-4. and four. If the 49ers beat the Cardinals and they're favored to do so, the 49ers will be 6-4, and four and they have a victory over the Seahawks already this year. 88% chance of making the playoffs. If the 49ers win, they say they, if yeah. they lose, about a 60% chance. If they win, about an 88% chance. Is there? I, I listen, I, I don't know where you're at with the whole Seahawks 49 thing, but I mean, gun to my head, the 49ers are going to win this division. I, I expect the I 49ers. I think so, too. I, I mean, remember, they had they had kind of a funky beginning to their season. They, they, they started Trey Lance. They played that awful game in the monsoon at Soldier Field. They lost in week one. So, they, you know, they, they, they didn't have Christian McCaffrey, obviously, to begin the season. Now, now so, they've got Elijah Mitchell back. Yeah. So now and, they've got a one-two, a one-two combo. Garoppolo's playing pretty good. Samuel's back, and they're, they're getting guys back on defense. The two and, starting guards having given up a sack all year. And, like, like They have a great one-two punch of running back. Brandon Ayuk broke out this year. He's having a great year. Garoppolo's playing better. Like, there's a lot to like about the 49ers overtaking Seattle. And a lot of times, Kyle Shanahan's teams ascend. They get better as the year goes on, and they become quite formidable in the postseason. And Garoppolo, you can say what you want about him. He has a tendency to be able to win playoff games. He has, can win them on the road, too. So even if they do go into the wild card, this just, to me, looks like the team. And I, I, burned, I heard Bernsey talking about it the other day, and I just wholeheartedly agree. I, I just look at the 49ers right now, and the Seahawks have been a great story uh, all season long. But eventually, I think in these final six, seven weeks of the season, you're going to see the 49ers wrestle control of this division over the Seahawks. And they got to play later this season, too. And they played earlier in the year, and the 49ers handled them with quite with quite ease. So for the Cardinals, man, I, you know, listen, it's tough for me to even look at these percentages. It's like win Monday. And then you can kind of dive into sure, them, right? I, I mean, it's just, it's so it just seems odd. Two games under 500. They saved their season to... Me- now, I don't think they can make the playoffs because I think they created too big of a hole after the Seattle loss. But 
But then they come back and they beat the Rams. And a lot of people feel if they can win this game Monday night in Mexico City against the 49ers. Okay, now you could now you could talk. And I would agree. Okay, now if you beat the 49ers, you're only a game under five. You could talk a little bit about your possibilities to make the playoffs. I still think right now that it's such an uphill climb. So many things have to go right for you. And so many other teams have to lose. Here's your projections right now. Think of the, Look at how good these games are. Yep. Seven seed versus the two. 49ers at the Vikings. That's a hell of a football game. The seven versus the two. I could easily see the 49ers winning that game over the Vikings. Cowboys at the Seahawks, the six and the three. Could easily see the Cowboys winning that game. Giants at the Bucks, the five against the four. Could easily see the Giants winning that exactly. game. Exactly. You know? You can and have three road teams win. Right in the AFC, right now, the seven and the two is the Jets and the Bills. The Jets just beat the Bills. Patriots at the Ravens, that's your six versus three. And then the Dolphins at the Titans, the five versus the four, you buy as the Chiefs. And the AFC, they've got the Chiefs one, the Bills two, the Ravens three, the Titans four. And then your wild cards of Miami, New England, and the Jets. You know what's interesting about that? The entire AFC East is in the playoffs. Yes. The entire AFC East. The Bills are the two seed. The Dolphins are the five. The Patriots are the six. And the Jets are the seven. Three wild cards from one division. Wouldn't that be something? Four teams in the playoffs from one division. That's what it looks. That's what it looks at right now. Come celebrate the biggest FIFA party in town with Estrella Jalisco. Sarah Cazell and special guest Gerardo Torado as the Mexican national team takes on Argentina in front of the big screens with live music and giveaways on November 26 at Sportsman's Park. You can text soccer to 620-620 for complete details. That's text, uh, text soccer to 620-620. We'll talk a little Suns basketball after that big win last night with our Suns guru, Kellen Olson. That's next on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with. Jeez, uh, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So, as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas, committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. All right, Kellen Olsen joins us after that terrific win over the Warriors last night. Phoenix Suns taking out Golden State. 0-8 on the road for Golden State. It's incredible. Let's start with this. I'm reporting after the game last night, you probably saw it. The report by Jake Fisher that the Suns were closing in on a three-team deal that was apparently imminent. Now, I made calls on that last night. I was working up till midnight last night, then this morning. My understanding is there's absolutely no truth to it. There's absolutely no truth to it. The Suns were never close to any deal. There's no three-team deal in the works with Houston and Milwaukee and Eric Gordon coming here and Jay Crowley. Like, at this point, it is it is not true. It's uh, not something that they the Phoenix Suns are even in on. Are you surprised by that? I'm not. Uh, your reporting really just reflects, Gambo, how difficult trades are to pull off in the league because there was one side of this equation somewhere in here that thought this thing was close to getting done, uh, but but it did not it did not get done. I, I think that 
the the fact that it was reported as a three team deal that was being uh, work worked up or whatever it was as well again speaks to how difficult it's going to be to get a trade done because I think a straight up deal for Jay Crowder is going to be difficult as well just because of the base salary swap you got to get other teams involved perhaps there's cap ramifications because of the bigger salaries that we're talking about so uh, I'm not really surprised at all and I've been with you kind of on opening night and, and you you were kind of there like I I think this thing might kind of take a while I don't think we're going to see something right away you've been uh, d- d- December 16th is the day yeah the day at. that about a third of the league becomes available mm-hmm. that are not available right now it's crazy mm-hmm. that it's that many but about a third of the league is then eligible to be traded that's not eligible to be traded right now now a lot of people feel that maybe James Jones is holding out because then more players will become available and we're, we're less than a month away from that and they're winning basketball games without him so it's like okay if you want to be patient you can be patient look I think Milwaukee does want him and I do think the Suns like Grayson Allen I do think the Suns like him the Eric Gordon thing is fascinating to me because last year in January I reported that the Suns did not have any interest in Eric Gordon it was one of the biggest names I was asked about last year in January Eric Gordon Eric, and I shot it down the Suns don't want Eric Gordon they don't want him they did not want him last year now maybe part of that reason is that he still had another year left on his contract at that point for $20 million, and they were going to be a luxury taxpayer. Now he's on the final year of his deal, so maybe he's more attractive to them, but they didn't want him last year. What would make them want him this year? I think the same reasons that you would have wanted him last year, just the skill that he brings and then what they need on this team. I think that campaigns play this year has certainly helped sort of reestablish the trust in, in that backcourt right now and, and off the off the bench specifically because that's where Eric Gordon would help out a lot. But even even with the way campaign is playing, Eric Gordon would help this team a ton. I think a lot of people look at him and just kind of see a, a shooter, but he can really drive and score the basketball in a lot of ways. And he's just a, a very effective offensive weapon. And if you look across this team right now, especially with Cam Johnson out right now, they just don't have a ton of offensive weapons and Eric Gordon would certainly be one. And if you look at the kind of price that we're talking about here, I'm just going to materialize in my head not knowing anything that it's it's Jay Crowder it's a partially protected first round pick maybe something like that when you look at the kind of production that Eric Gordon could bring and the kind of skill set that he could bring that no one on the team really has besides Devin Booker in terms of being a driver and a scorer offensively and a shooter that's the type of guy that they could really need and they would be able to utilize so he's always made sense to me we talked about him a ton last year you're right when we were looking at the trade deadline about three weeks out we started previewing sort of every position and guards were the group we really focused on Gordon was the top name in terms of just the team, the fit, all that kind of stuff made a ton of sense. The pass play with Chris Paul, things like that. But you shot it down last year. Maybe this year is different, though, Gambo. We'll just have to wait and see. We're going to keep waiting, I Well, think. you know, that's what I said to Gambo earlier when we were talking about this, Kellen. I mean, yeah, last year was last year. This year's a different Suns roster with different needs. I mean, you know, the obvious one is you're losing Cam Johnson scoring off the bench because when he comes back, he's not coming off the bench. He's in the starting lineup. So you're looking to replace that kind of wing shooter that can go out there and, and knock down a three. And, and put the ball in the bucket. That wasn't a need last year because you had Jay starting and you had Cam coming off the bench filling that role really quite well. Uh, but this year is a different roster. It's a different team. And if it's not Eric Gordon, KO, I mean, cl- clearly, Tory Gregg does some nice things. I really like what he does. But consistent scoring off the bench does not, he does not check that, that box. So Gordon's kind of the guy they need. And, and whether it's Gordon or not, that's, that's what's lacking right now to me, scoring off the bench from the wing position. Yeah, I think what the Suns have proved in a couple of different games this year is that regardless of who is playing for them, they still have that gear five, gear six, where they can just reach such a high level of overall team play that they can drop 100 
120 and 130 on anyone, even when Tory Craig is starting, even when campaign is starting. You look at someone like Damian Lee, who's shooting over 40% from three off the bench this year. He's been fantastic. I think you look at the guys playing up and down, Jock Landale, Dwayne Washington, guys with not a lot of experience. They got in there last night. They played well. There are certain nights where they're going so well as a team because of the way that they play basketball and the continuity that Monty Williams has built up, that regardless of who else is in there, it's a supporting cast of continuity is there, and then their offensive system is there to where they can just flow into 120 and 130, but that's not something gamble that you can rely on consistently enough in the playoffs when the going gets tough, and that's where you look up and down the roster and just think there's a little bit more of an offensive spark missing, and sure. it's, it's something that we could have talked about maybe in the offseason, right, when this Jay stuff wasn't happening, we were looking at fits, we were saying, okay, maybe Cam goes in the start, but we weren't speaking as if Jay moving was a certainty, and now you just yeah. have this mid-level contract of $9, $10 million sort of sitting there, just waiting to be traded, essentially, and it just makes so much sense for the Suns to use that to upgrade the roster because they can't just let him sit there and lose him for nothing. No, I also think, though, that they want a wing player back. Okay. So that, you know, I I don't know that they want a guard back. I think their guard play with Paul, Booker, Payne, Landry, I think they feel pretty good about their guard play. So I do think that they want a wing player back, somebody with more size and athleticism and defending. And I would take Gordon out of it because he's like 6'2 or 6'3 and he's a guard. So I, I, you know, that could be a reason why. But I'm going to say, I'm going to say that they're not interested in Gordon. That, that, that's, that Eric Gordon is not an option for the Phoenix Suns. I just did. Not an option. I think that when they get the play, when they get the player back for Jay Crowder, don't be surprised if it's a wing player. If it's a wing player. But I'm going to rule out Eric Gordon. I'm going to rule him out. That is not a player that I'm hearing the Suns have interest in. Well, when we're focusing on that mid-December day, what makes it so interesting, too, is that we're we're another month in. We're, we're another month into the season. And what I mean by that is other teams are going to start to know how their season is going. Because you and I, Gamble, you reported a lot on, on Harrison Barnes a couple months ago. They had called and, Sacramento for him. And that's the type of team where you look at the Kings right now. They're doing pretty well right they're now. They're doing they, great. They're doing fantastic. Have you seen for, some of their wins lately? For their state. They should be throwing parades right now, 15 games into the year. They are playing great basketball. I think that they are one of the surprise teams in the NBA. Without a doubt. They they really are. So why would they want to get rid of Harrison Barnes right now? They have no interest in doing that right now. So you look around the league and look at the teams that are faltering, and you look to see if there's someone there you can acquire. But it's the inverse where maybe we had thought of a situation a couple months ago. Hey, if the Kings start 5-20, and it's so easy to say that because they're the Kings and they do that a lot. But 7-6. and They're playing well right now. I think their record is worse than their numbers are right now. Their numbers are bringing Kevin Orta shooting over fifty percent from three right now. I believe Herder that, is that's one of the top three point shooters in the NBA. That's so that, what, yeah, I was yeah. just say that's why I wouldn't be surprised if the Crowder deal went down later. Where where teams maybe you give them some more time to figure exactly. out who we are and yeah. who we are not. It might not happen in the next month. All right, let's let's talk about this Golden State game. What what stood out to you besides the fact that Cameron Payne, Mikael Bridges absolutely killed it? What was your biggest takeaway from the game? I think we've seen in the last two games specifically how. It's, it's been two different parts of it, Gambo, where Devin Booker has been so brilliant at, at dissecting double teams that it feels like almost the Suns are inviting them. They dribble the ball down the court and know that the d- double team is coming, and they want it. They want that double team to come. They want their best player to get thrown off the ball because they know exactly how to beat it. Wide Devin knows three. exactly how to beat it. Yeah. Wide open three, Wide open layup threes. or DA, something like that, right? They really know how to break it down effectively. But the other part of that equation, Gambo, that's been interesting is just Booker's minutes, his workload, and how much you're putting on him right now. 
now while Chris Paul is out because we talked about point books so much over the years and the pros and cons of it. We were really in favor of it a couple of years ago just because it would give him a lot more experience on the ball and it would get your best player on the ball. Something they're going to use in the playoffs a lot again like they did the last two years as well. But you talk about using it this consistently in the regular season and just wear and tear type of stuff. Booker's in tremendous shape and I don't think he's the type of guy that would break down over the course of a season, but you don't want to give yourself any chances at that. And the type of minutes that he's been playing right now with Chris Paul out and him commanding so much of the offense, there's a difference between the 40 minutes that Mikel Bridges plays and the 40 minutes that Tyrese Halliburton plays, the 40 minutes that Marcus Smart plays. Like There's so much difference there in terms of a role, but the Booker on the ball, that's a lot of a lot of stress on him, and I'm looking at both parts where he's been masterful and he's playing All-NBA basketball again, but to that same point, I'm, I'm worried about the wear and tear. All right, leave me with this. Was the, Did you see any indication that this Warriors team is capable of being a threat in the West? Yeah, because they're the Warriors. I mean, it's just no bench. They don't play any defense. There's no bench. Clay's terrible. Draymond's terrible. I mean, it's a one-man band right now. Terrible now. The, the, problem, <laughs> the problem right now is that they're relying on youth in a way that they haven't before, and they're just not getting anything out of it. Wiseman is in the G League. They're trying to figure out Kuminga and Moody, but that's how their offseason went, Gambo. They lost Otto Porter Jr. They lost Gary Payton II, and yes, they signed Dante DiVincenzo, who still has to get his feet right after coming off an injury, but they effectively looked at those young guys as the replacements for those bodies and it's, it's going to take them a while. But the crazy part about that, Gambo, is if you had to say, like, who were their three best players right now, you would say Steph, you would say Wiggins, and then you would probably say Looney or Poole. You wouldn't say Clay. You wouldn't no. say Draymond. And no. that, to me, is it's the most problem. concerning thing. Two rebounds for uh, for Draymond last night. All right, Kellen, great job. Enjoy having you in. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Right, that's See Kellen buddy. Olsen. That is our son's guru. Week 11 of Bix Picks is underway. Text PICK to 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bick for your chance at the grand prize 75-inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice. Get a Buda Baker one. And a $50 gift card to cold beer and cheeseburgers. Just text PICK to 620-620 to enter. One thing we learned about each team for the Cardinals has a lot to do with their running back. We'll talk about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Tim Ring was at the Elton John concert, too. Indeed, I was. Who? I mean, I, I was like Crocodile Rocket. You, what a great song! La, 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 la. When he sings it, and he turns, then he turns that part over to the audience. La 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 la. la, la. What a great time! Like almost everybody I know was there. It was a fantastic night, boy. It, it was. It. Uh, it took a while to get in there to park. I'll tell you that. Not all of us have the VIP parking pass that Gamble probably had. No, we we ended up parking. I mean, I I was we were going to miss it. I, I mean, got in with no problem. Yeah, I I dropped I dropped the wife and kids off. We took all three kids to the show so they could say they saw Elton John you know, before he hangs it up. Anyway, so I to make sure that they didn't miss the first song, I dropped them off, and then I was on my own trying to park, and I parked in a lot that I didn't even know existed. Forty bucks It was like Central and Buchanan. Oh uh, man! No, no, no. 60 bucks. What? Yeah, and then about a 15 minute walk oh, to the ballpark. And Oh yeah, they were they were uh, making, Yeah, they no, they were they were reaming the the public with the parking. I mean, there's you know, but you had no choice. What are you going to do? And they were smart though. They took credit cards, right? Cuz no, you know, a lot of people are doing 60 bucks, they only got 40 on me, but they they were ready to take credit cards and they were like <laughs> 
<laughs> they were raking it in. Oh, man. So many people. What a great show. Like, here it is five, six days later. I'm still talking about how awesome that show was. was. the 10th time I've seen him. I saw him first in 1985. Wow. How about them apples? And you know what? Doesn't he sound the same? He does. He sounds the same. Voice of God. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Arizona Cardinals. Big game coming up on Monday night football against the 49ers. This is a must-win game for Arizona. There's no if, ends, or buts about it. They've got to win this game. But one of the big things that's important for the Arizona Cardinals, playing with the lead, getting their main running back back, even if it upset Eno Benjamin, who's uh, cut, and now he's on the Houston Texans, getting James Conner back was huge for them. You know, he's a Workhorse back. He's a guy you can rely on him. You can count on him. You can give him the ball when you're in the lead. And, uh, you know, I was looking at a story today and he was talking about, like, you know, impactful players and, um, you know, things like that. And they, they just mentioned, you know, the importance of James Conner to this team. And there's no doubt about it that just getting Conner back was huge for them. And it says, one thing we learned about each NFL team welcome back, James Conner. The Cardinals have missed a running back who scored 18 touchdowns last season, earned a three year contract extension as a Result. Um, they made sure to feature him. Season I, 21 carries, scored two touchdowns, three catches as well. 86 scrimmage yards, season high, three or four in the red zone with him. Having him back is just, it does. I mean, he is, he's a leader. He's an alpha male. The Carlos, they call it, they think he's an alpha male. Like when he's, when he's healthy and he's playing, like a lot of guys follow, but just getting him back on the field was big because it does allow you, when you play with the lead, it does allow you that, you know, that guy's not going to have a lot of negative plays. He's too big and he's too strong. I mean, he's usually going to get you two to three yards, sometimes four, but he's not a guy that's going to get tackled in the backfield for a three yard loss very often. No, he's got that dog in him. Boy, and he is as good in the red zone as anybody in the NFL. Uh, I'm not saying he's the best at it, but He's in the conversation with among the best in the red zone. Got a nose for that end zone when you're inside the 10 for sure. Let me tell you, in two games against the 49ers last year, he had 210 yards of total offense and four touchdowns uh, in two games. So you know he's licking his chops. He's probably happy just to be healthy again. Let me tell you something. That game plan by Cliff Kingsbury, the much maligned Cliff Kingsbury against the Rams, was absolutely perfect. They came out throwing the football. Timing 11 patterns. in a row. 11 in a row. And then once they had the Rams defense and those guys a little bit back on their heels, then they started hitting him with James Conner. And they got... It was a great game plan. They got Conner 21 carries, 69 yards, two touchdowns. But that running game opened up, Gambo, because of the passing game game. and the success McCoy had. Again, listen, doesn't it it again allude to the fact that Okay, Cliff, Cliff's game plans are they're fine. Like the, like the concepts are very similar to what everybody else does. I still think he needs to build off those concepts and not just run the same concepts because you need to build off of that. But I still think that the majority of the problems with this team is Kyler, not Cliff. And I think when you see Cole McCoy go out there and run that offense the way he ran it and score all those points and move the ball up and down the field and take some shots down the field and fourth and three to Rondale Moore for 26 yards and Cole McCoy intermediate between 10 and 20 yards, he was money. Again, that, that just further proof to me that when you look to play the blame game, and I'm not saying there's no blame on Cliff. Cliff absolutely, absolutely has to take some of the blame. I still think the majority of blame goes to Kyler and his inability to really understand pre-snap what he's looking at the way a Colt McCoy can. I always like to blame Cliff for things like penalties and pre-snap discipline, penalties. Discipline. Timeouts, the, delay the, of games, all that stuff. Underachieving. Right. That's where you point to the head coach. But, listen, he gave, he gave Colt McCoy a game plan. 
Uh, it was it was great. McCoy went out there and executed it flawlessly. He's got rid of the ball so quick. Yeah, it was it was snap it one two balls out. Snap it one two balls out. I talked about it right here on the post game show on Saturday. I, I just thought it was flawless from Kingsbury and flawless from Colt McCoy. McCoy only threw for two hundred and thirty eight yards, but he just managed the game. He was in total control of that offense from the get go. Hopkins and Moore Gambo damn near caught twenty balls between them and had two hundred yards receiving. Right. Here's what scares me though. We talked about this a little bit on the podcast this week. The 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 game plan that worked against the Rams on Sunday. The 49ers now have that on tape. And obviously they also have McCoy on tape from last year's from game. Last year when, when they, they won. Yep. But if the Cardinals try to just run the 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 quick reads and fire, I'd expect the 49er defensive backs to start press coveraging more at Hopkins and not make it so easy for those timing patterns and those seven to eight yard games. He went up against Jalen Ramsey last week and had him for lunch. He did. Jalen Ramsey. He one did. of the best in the business. But now that now that blueprint the Cardinals used to beat the Rams is fresh in the minds of the 49ers. Doesn't mean it can't work again. Maybe they're not going to come out and throw it 11 straight times, I doubt it. No. But 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 with the offensive line problems that still exist, you're probably not going to be able to just come out pounding the 49ers on the ground and you're not going to be able to let McCoy sit back there in the pocket for more than three or four seconds to throw the ball downfield, or both of those guys are going to have his no, lunch. Then you'll get the five-sack game, and you'll get the the third and your third and 15 now after a five-yard loss on a sack. Yeah, you don't want to put yourself in those positions. Right, you can't get off schedule. So, to a certain extent, what they did last week in L.A., I think they're going to have to try to do again on Monday night in Mexico City. That's kind of where I'm going with that. Yeah, the running back position is interesting now without Eno, because you've got your one in Connor and your two in Keontae Ingram. The question is, like, who's your three? Is it Darrell Williams going to be ready? Who's your guy? You've got two guys on the practice squad. you got Corey Clement. It's Clement. Out there. It should be Corey Clement. But, you know, maybe it's, you know, and I think at this point, maybe it's somebody else. At some point, they'll go to another guy. I don't know if, you know, how much faith they have in Corey Clement. He's there. He's a veteran. You could go to him. But without Eno, you know, he was your number two running back. He's gone now. Now, I know they love Keontae Ingram. But, you know, as long as James Conner's healthy, he's going to get the bulk load of those carries. He's a workhorse guy. You can feed him that ball 20, 22, 25 times if you have to, and he's going to be okay because he is a true workhorse-type running back. They don't cut Eno Benjamin unless they have complete 100% faith in Keontae Ingram. And I'm sure when Eno went off and did what he did, it was a lot easier to make that personnel decision because, you know, you're a backup running back and we've got another young kid right here that we think can do just what you're doing in that backup running back role. So you're going to sit here after the biggest win of the season and selfishly complain about playing time. Hit the road. Ingram stepping up into number two. Text us your thoughts on the Cardinals running back situation to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Four o'clock reset up next. We'll get you caught up on everything going on in sports right here in Arizona Sports. Sports, the local sports leader.